Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Hey, man, well, these are certainly very unusual times right now. I'm sure most of you, like me, every morning you wake up and you look and you find out what else has happened around us. It seems like everything is upside down. Uh, Today, the very day we're doing this, there were new restrictions that came down from our governor and trying to keep a lid on the spread of this coronavirus. Uh, The president is making continual adjustments to try and deal with it. I heard an interview with a, a evangelical pastor in Italy uh, where they've been on virtual lockdown that about the only thing you can go out for is to go into grocery stores, which are the only things that are even allowed open by order. Uh, this is a world turned upside down, it seems. It seems like life is grinding to a halt. And today we're going to look at Lamentations chapter 3. The book of Lamentations is Jeremiah's response when his world has done the same thing, when his world has ground to a halt, when everything is turned upside down, Jerusalem had fallen, the people were carried into exile, and everything seemed to have just turned into a uh, nightmare from which Jeremiah could not awake. So we want to look at this and we want to ask ourselves the question, how do you find hope in such times? How do you and I do that? Where is God in the midst of times like this? And what is he doing? So I'm going to begin by reading Lamentations chapter 3, verses 17 to 26. I encourage you to follow along and hear and respond to the word of the Lord. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, again, we're facing hard times where a world seems to be in turmoil, and this is exactly what was happening in Jeremiah's day. Uh, For Jeremiah, it was that the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. If you look at the very beginning of the book, in Lamentations 1, uh, I'll read verses 1 and 3, but this is how we know what's going on. Jeremiah says, how deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. And in verse 3, he says, after affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. And so, where he begins by saying the city lies deserted, you may have 
driven around here in the Annapolis area or wherever you're at and, and things look deserted. I've seen some people posting pictures, but Jeremiah is facing far more than that. It's not just that they were facing some social distancing. That's not what he's talking about. Jerusalem had been besieged. It had gone through a long siege. He gives a lot of terrible details in the book of Lamentations that you can read. But then it had fallen. It had been captured and it was actually destroyed. They, they destroyed the temple, knocked it all down, ransacked everything, burned the city and left it completely empty. The people were then literally picked up and carried away into exile in Babylon. The city is deserted because almost everybody has been carried into exile. You want to talk about hard times beyond anything that any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. This was the end of life as Jeremiah and all the people of Judah had known it. Many of their loved ones had died. Others were uh, sick. They had lost everything, their homes, their possessions, even their actual freedom. When you are carried away forcibly to live in another land as an exile, that is the ultimate loss of freedom, to be carried away as slaves to Babylon. So you can see Jeremiah could certainly understand, and he might even say to you and I, you think social distancing is hard. You should have been there when our country fell. And this left Jeremiah feeling this sense of despair. If you notice in our text in verses 17 to 20, Jeremiah says, I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. And that word peace uh, there is actually shalom. Jeremiah is saying the shalom that God's people should experience, that sense of things being right and the way they're supposed to be, it's gone. I'm deprived of it. Furthermore, he says, I've even forgotten what prosperity was like. When you really go through a hard time, sometimes it's even to rem hard to remember what normal life looked like. And that's what Jeremiah is facing. Uh, he says that he's saying to his soul that, that uh, he's forgotten prosperity. His soul forgot what is good is what it literally says there. My soul's even forgotten what good feels like, what it's like to have things right. Uh, he says that all of his splendor is gone and all that he had hoped for from the Lord. And he's remembering his affliction, his wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Everything in Jeremiah's life has turned upside down, has gone bitter. And he tells us there in verse 20 that when he remembers all of this, his soul is downcast. His whole soul feels oppressed. Now, as you listen to Jeremiah's description, there are some people among us who are feeling the same way. Uh, it seems like the earth is shaking beneath our feet. It seems like every day we hear more about the spread of the virus. Uh, today, Italy actually passed China and the number of deaths. We, we hear about the suffering, uh, things going on around us. Schools and restaurants are shut down. Travel is being restricted. Sports and theaters, which are so much of the entertainment in our culture, have been shut down. The economy seems to be staggering. Not only uh, the stock market, which it started with, but now with all the businesses being shut down, the, the whole academy, uh, economy seems to be staggering and in trouble. And if we look at all of this and we're honest, my soul is downcast is something we can say, yes, that's me. I'm in the same place that Jeremiah was. In fact, we, we might use our phrase today, a cloud of depression is covering me. Uh, it seems like a bad dream, 
But the worst part is there's no waking up from it. It is what has become real life. Now, we might ask ourselves before we move on to how Jeremiah responded, why did times like this happen? I mean, why would there be Jerusalem falling and everything Jeremiah experienced? Why do we go through the kind of things that we're going through right now? I want to give just two reasons. There's many others that the scriptures say, but there are two reasons that Jeremiah brings out in this book to speak of why Judah had fallen on this hard time, and I think they apply to us. The first one is in Lamentations 1.19. Lamentations 1.19, and Jeremiah tells us that some things, that th- sometimes the things we love and trust can betray us. In uh, chapter 1, verse 19, the NIV translates it, I called to my allies, but they betrayed me. The ESV translates the same verse as I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. And the word is actually the, the, the ones I loved is what it is, and, and they betrayed or deceived. And Jeremiah is saying sometimes our allies, sometimes the ones we love, the ones that we've put our trust in, the things we love and rely on and trust, betray us, and what we thought was going to be help, what we thought was a firm foundation, now seems to be crumbling, and it causes trouble rather than help. In uh, Jeremiah's day, for the people of Judah, these allies, these lovers were actually false gods. Uh, They had national allies as well, and they did not help her in her hour of need, but actually betrayed her into the hands of her enemies. Now, we don't have the false gods that the people of Judah were being tempted to worship, the Baals and the Ashtoreths and, and even the gods of Babylon, nor do we have the same nations that are allied. But the same principle applies to us. I've thought much in recent weeks how technology is like this for us. Not against technology. Technology does many wonderful things, but it's easy for us to to view technology like a lover, to put our trust in it, to count it as an ally. And that which at some time seemed helpful and beneficial can now cause a problem. And of course, we've seen this with this virus because in times past, a virus that began in Wuhan, China, could not possibly have spread to Italy and America by now. But today, All it takes is someone getting on a plane, and of course, that same technology that is a blessing to make the world seem smaller and accessible also makes it easier to spread a virus everywhere we go. Secondly, I'd also say another area that we might think in our culture is a false sense of freedom. One of the things that caused problems in Italy early on, and we've seen some here in America, is when people who have this view of freedom that nobody can tell me what to do, I'm going to do what I want, I don't believe or listen to all this, they don't heed the warnings. And even if the majority of people are heeding the warnings, they continue to help the virus spread until it really became a contagion that's going around. Uh, You know, we had this week where the the governor had to put certain restrictions on because many people were going out uh, a week ago to the bars and posting pictures of themselves on social media and saying, this is how I respond to the COVID-19 virus and doing all this sort of stuff Uh, in Florida. They've had to shut down the beaches, actually, because of all the kids 
kids who were there and trying to, to party their way through it. And so sometimes a false sense of freedom and a, and a lack of responsibility, not understanding that freedom actually is the freedom to do what is right, not just whatever I want, can create a problem for us. And so this first thing that Jeremiah is telling us is sometimes God allows our false idols, our false loves, the things that we are trusting, to have their natural effect. This is the end of where it leads if you put your trust in it. And he's doing this to cause us, to, to prompt us to reevaluate what do I love? Where do I put my heart? Where is my ultimate trust. And if it were in false gods or other national allies for Judah, that ended up betraying them. For us, I've just pointed out a couple of things. You could think of others, but our technology and freedom, which can be wonderful things, but if we twist them and misunderstand what they are and put uh, unwarranted amounts of trust in them, the, the effect can be catastrophic for us. The second reason that Jeremiah points out is sometimes hard times are meant to expose our sin. In Lamentations 2.14, Jeremiah says this, the visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The oracles they gave you were false and misleading. When you read the book of Jeremiah, you see over and over again where Jeremiah is having arguments with other prophets who were telling the people of Judah, Jeremiah is saying that's sin, but he's wrong. That's not really sin. You don't need to worry about that. You're God's people. Everything's going to be okay for you. And Jeremiah now, in the wake of Jerusalem's disaster, her fall, everything being turned upside down, Jeremiah says, your, your, your leaders, they misled you, and they misled you in this specific way. They did not warn you regarding your sin. Now, in one sense, all suffering is rooted in the fall. If there had been no fall, if sin had not been unleashed into this creation, we wouldn't be facing a virus like this. Jeremiah wouldn't have seen the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, and so in one sense, there is just the universal curse and problem of sin. But there's also times where God allows sin to kind of have its effect. He, he removes his hand of common grace and restraining grace enough that it can cause us to wake up to the danger in which we really were, would have been subject to the whole time, the problem that our sin causes. And he's trying to show us the areas of sin in our life and how destructive it is. We, like the people in Jeremiah's day, like the false prophets, we try to convince ourselves that sin is not really sin. It's not really a big deal. It does not really matter. We try to define sin down, change what God has called sin we put for, uh, for being good and what God calls good, we put that down as actually being evil. But we need to understand sin as defined by God is always destructive, and it always leads to some form of captivity. You can look in Romans chapter one where Paul points this out and he says, the more we give ourselves into sin, the more we're handed over to even worse sins and the more binding it all becomes until we've completely lost an understanding of what right and wrong is. And 
we have to understand this idea was mocked in Jeremiah's day. And there are those who would watch me saying this right now and would mock the very idea, the idea that sin even exists, the idea that if it did exist, it would be a problem, that the Bible would define what it is, that it could be behind anything that happens here. But the scripture is clear over and over again that one of the things that probably the most consistent thing that God calls for in times like this is for us to respond to these times by hearing his voice, recognizing our sin, repenting of our sin, and rooting out our sin. Just a few verses after our text today, Jeremiah says this, he calls out to the people of Judah and he says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, we have sinned and rebelled. Judah's sin had led to difficult times, but it was meant, God's mercy is, he's saying, pay attention, look, ask. You have a cancer, as it were, inside you that is causing this hard time, that is causing this problem. And the response needs to be to find that and to cut it out. And throughout Scripture, Jesus himself did this call. Paul did it. The church has always, God's people down through the ages, have responded to times of plague or pestilence or famine or war or calamity. Universally, the church has responded by crying out to God and saying, is there, is there some area of sin you are calling us to see, to recognize, uh, to deal with, and to cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness. So both of those are reasons why these things might be happening and God wants to work good out of them. But that leads to the final area, which is, well, how do we find hope in the midst of this? Even if I especially recognize, yeah, I've, I've embraced these false ideas. I, I've put my trust in other things and, and God's even revealing sin in my own life. How could I possibly find hope? Well, the answer is we find hope not in ourselves, not in our situation, not in our false gods, but rather in the one true God and in his character. Notice how Jeremiah, in the depth of his despair, there in verse 20 where he said, my soul is just downcast. Then he's got this great word to begin verse 21, yet. All of that's true. Everything that we've talked about, Jeremiah says is true. Yet I called this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah says, in the midst of this, I reminded myself of something, and here's what I reminded myself of. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Friends, however bad this virus gets, we will not be utterly consumed. God will keep and sustain us until Christ returns again. And this is not based on us. It's not based on anything good within us. And therefore, we can have hope. It is based on God's love. It is based on God's compassion. It is based on God's faithfulness. So our hope is not going to be in technology. It's not going to be just continuing to read the Facebook feed and hearing all kinds of false ideas and reports that they figured this out or they figured that out. Our trust, our hope is found in God. It's God himself, the compassionate, the forgiving, the faithful God.
I don't proclaim to know the specific reason why at this time this has happened, but I do proclaim this. Whatever that reason is, it might change when the next hard time comes. But one thing will not change, and that is God. God is faithful. God is merciful. God is compassionate. And therefore, he's the one true sense, uh, place of hope for you and me. And so I want to encourage you, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever fears and problems you are facing right now uh, that might be leading you to despair, I can promise you this, God is merciful and God is faithful. His compassion will not run out. It is new every morning. And I want to speak especially, if you're here, there are probably people, uh, I believe, right now in America in particular, but possibly even around the world, who have not been part of a church. They haven't really considered the claims of Christ. They don't, they don't think about who Jesus is or what he has done. But right now, when we're being faced with this very difficult circumstance, suddenly our own frailty, our own mortality comes into view. And I want to tell you, if you have never looked to Christ, crying out to him for salvation, today is the day. Do not wait. Do not put it off. Don't think some other God is going to come and save you. Only Jesus Christ can come and save, but the good news is he is full of compassion. He is full of mercy. He is ever faithful to deliver on his promises. And and this idea too, and it's good news for us, is God is not far off. Even in our suffering, even if I bring suffering on myself, God is not far off. He is not distant from me. One of the the names that's given that we celebrate at Christmas time for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God does not stay distant and far off. The cross is a picture of God coming to bear our griefs, to bear our sorrows, to be here with us. And that's why you and I can have hope. Now, Jeremiah tells us one more thing, and then we'll uh, go to applying the word and close. Jeremiah tells us that in light of this, what we need to do is wait for God's salvation. Notice in verses 24 to 26, he says, So I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So Jeremiah here says, when I remember what God is like, I remind myself that what I need to do is wait on him. I need to seek him to actively orient myself towards him. See, circumstances, especially in hard times like this, they tempt you and they tempt me to put my focus on the circumstance. And the way our eyes work, like like these cameras here right now, the, the camera can focus on me or it can focus on something else. You and I can focus on one thing at a time. And if we're focusing on the circumstances, we're not focusing on God. We're not seeking him. We're not waiting quietly for him. And so Jeremiah is reminding himself, I need to put my focus on God, who he is, and what he has done. And devote myself specifically 
to seeking him, to focusing on him rather than the difficulties. So Jeremiah said, I can wait quietly. I can quiet my fears and look to God each day waiting for God's salvation. And that's what Christians have done throughout history whenever they've come to times like this. They have specifically sought God, waited for him and his salvation. And there's going to be a temptation as this wears on. Maybe if you're a believer, you've already been doing that. But the longer it goes and the more it seems like this terrible situation that we're in right now is becoming a new normal, the more tempting it is to take my focus off of God and to put it down somewhere else. But friends, if we do that, we're, we're cutting our hope out from under ourselves. We need to not focus on the situation which causes despair, but rather focus on God, focus on his promises, focus on his character, focus on what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. I wanna urge you, don't waste this situation. Don't simply try to Netflix your way through it. You can sit here and you can deal with all this and just say, you know what, I don't know what else to do, so I'm gonna watch endless hours of sitcoms or movies. And if we do that, we will have missed it. You will not find hope there. Our hope finds from quieting ourselves, clearing out space and saying, I'm going to seek God. So how do we apply this? And then the worship team is gonna come up and lead us in a song called 10,000 Reasons. Well, the simple answer is, we apply this by looking to God in this troubled time. If you are watching this, uh, even though you never go to church, but this time has rattled you, I urge you, look to Jesus. Don't look elsewhere. Nothing else can deliver, only Jesus can. This is a terrible time, but God wants to use it to draw you to himself. He wants to open your eyes to the gospel. Friend, whatever sins you've got, whatever struggles you've got, whatever fears you've got, Jesus is greater than your sins. Jesus is greater than your struggles. Jesus is greater than your fears. I urge you, look to him. If you've never personally turned away from your sin and looked to Christ as Savior and Lord, do it today. And for those of us who are believers, well, let me say before I go on, if you are somebody and you're saying, I've never really had a relationship with Jesus and, and you're wanting to do that, reach out and call our church office. Uh, send an email, make a comment here. If you reach out to us, we will gladly talk with you uh, about what it means to establish this personal relationship with Jesus Christ to rejoice with you. But all of us, um, if you're a believer, Right now, we need to focus on God through this time. Don't waste it. As I said, don't Netflix it away. Let God's Spirit speak to you. I encourage you, go through the devotional guide for this week and look at some of the questions and let the Holy Spirit be speaking in, in your own life. Let him be speaking in my life about areas where God is trying to work and where I may have missed. Confessing my sins, drawing near to him each and every day. If you and I do that, now and whenever our time of death comes, we will find not despair, but rather hope. Because our God is sovereign and faithful. He is sovereign and faithful in good times, in bad times, in life, and even in death.
So now the team's going to come forward, the worship team, and we are going to sing 10,000 Reasons. I encourage you to worship along and sing for the 10,000 reasons and more we have to praise and worship our God. Thanks to the uh, worship team. I pray that was a blessing to you. We're going to conclude with the word of prayer and then a benediction. Join with me in prayer. Father, you truly are the faithful God. Lord, in our lives, there are good times and bad times, times that seem to be full of hope and times that seem to be full of despair. But Lord, though we shift and change, though the world around us shifts and changes, you do not. You are faithful. And Father, uh, one thing that we know is certain is uh, there's not just 10,000 reasons we can give you thanks and praise. There are far more than we could even count. And so, Lord, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us this week. Lord, I pray you would draw us to take our focus off of circumstances and turn it towards you to not live out of fear, but rather faith. Father, to find our hope in each morning waking up and saying it's a new day. God's compassions are new and they are enough for today. Holy Spirit, if there's any area you're wanting to speak, speak to us as your people, but draw us close to Jesus each and every day. We pray this in his name. Amen. And before I speak our word of benediction, I want to remind you, we have certain sayings we repeat around here. One of them is blessed to be a blessing. I want to remind you each and every week that one way you can apply the word is pick up the phone this week and call somebody else in the congregation. Pick up, call, reach out, encourage one another so that if any of us are feeling a sense of despair, we can help each other to find our hope in God. Don't let it pass by. Reach out to someone this week. Now I encourage you to receive God's blessing. This is going to be from Book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do go this week to reach out to one another. You are blessed. Be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.